I bumped into into this car, and uh, so I broke my my collarbone. Just 20 minutes after after leaving the hotel. Hey, podcast listener, you're listening to the Semi Pro Cycling Podcast, the weekly podcast where we discuss all the issues that cyclists talk about. Whether you're out training, commuting, or just riding around, sit down and listen in because we're about to begin. I got something to say, man. Yo, welcome to episode 78 of the Semi Pro Cycling Podcast, where we believe that only a semi pro cyclist rides for love and not money if you stick around to the end i'll fill you in on the quote from the top of the show and let you know who's talking about cars and collarbones hey there semi-pros my name is damien roos i'm the founder of semi-pro cycling home of the semi-pro cyclist and a quick review well a long review to get us underway today does what it says on the tin five stars from chris radders in the uk i enjoy listening to this weekly podcast while walking my dog at the weekend it really inspires me to ditch the company car and push harder during my commute of a 165k per week try different things and sign up for the belgium classics like tour de flanders and Lege baston Lege. what i learn from damien each week also helps me to understand more about cycling coverage on tv and even help my preparation to cycle brussels to london next year it's london to paris for my 50th thank you damien hot damn diggity chris they are some epic rides i'm glad you signed up for those classics i'm a little bit jealous i've got to say they sound like hell but that is my type of fun thank you very much for taking the time out to write that review and definitely a reminder to you that if you do like the show please take some time out to give us a review on itunes or stitcher because five stars make me think you can't touch this thank you very much now a couple of articles this week that i've been able to track down from the interwebs the first one is from cyclingweekly.co.uk what type of rider are you it is just a simple breakdown on different types of riders things you've probably gone over before but the article starts to get really interesting when they start talking about personality and motivation and while it may be a given to see that a sprinter is most likely externally motivated and an extrovert but have you thought about the personality and motivation of a domestic do you think they're externally motivated introverts that's what they're claiming here it really is quite interesting and you can kind of put yourself on that chart and see where this writer thinks you should be in the pro peloton it is great food for thought especially when you start thinking about your favorite riders finally it does have a great little flow chart at the bottom so you can see what type of rider you are and i've got the link to this in the show notes the second one is an article called the impact of carbon insoles in cycling on performance in the wingate anaerobic test that is a bit of a mouthful But I think you get the gist of this. Do carbon insoles make a difference when you're sprinting? And the study itself has 18 male cyclists and triathletes, and they are at the elite level, so they are absolutely trained for this stuff. And they did randomized and blind application with a standard insole and a cycling-specific carbon insole. And the mean power was measured for each test that they did as well as the peak power. And the results, quite interesting if you are a marketer for this stuff. The mean power and the peak power were not significant. 
when comparing the two different souls to each other. So that goes to show in this test that carbon cycling specific souls really don't do that much for you in regards to sprinting. I would say there has to be other elements that would be more important personally if I'm thinking about sprinting and what will make the difference. Cleat placement is definitely one of the things that seems more important when it comes to sprinting than the inner soles as this test has covered. If you really want to get into cleat placement, then definitely check out my episode with Steve Hogg because that really runs through mid-sole cleat placement, the pros and cons, and really that that placement is not good for sprinting. Rise and shine. 6 a.m. and your hand can't make it to the alarm clock before the voices in your head start telling you that it's too early, too dark, and too cold to get out of bed. Aching muscles lie still in rebellion, pretending not to hear your brain commanding them to move. A legion of voices are shouting their unanimous permission for you to hit the snooze button and go back to dreamland. But you didn't ask their opinion. The voice you've chosen to listen to is one of defiance. A voice that says there was a reason you set that alarm in the first place. So sit up, put your feet on the floor, and don't look back, because we've got work to do. Welcome to The Grind. Yes, welcome to The Grind. The point in your training when nobody is looking, when you are cold and you're probably tired, when you don't look your best. In fact, I bet you look ugly as hell. I bet that you know a couple of things about The Grind already, though. One, that it's hard, and two, that the work done here is the difference. The difference between winning and losing, the difference between getting dropped on the final climb, the difference between punishing your mates or getting punished. Without going too deep into the Rafa-esque marketing talk, we know the grind, but we also know that sometimes we struggle to get out of bed, to hit numbers, and just to simply do the work. I talk a lot about motivation, mindset, and finding your why because I believe they're fundamental And definitely sorting this shit out goes a long way in getting you out of bed in the morning. But sometimes it's just easier to control your environment than trying to control yourself through willpower or motivation, or at least give you a nudge to remind you of your why so when you stray off course, it can pull you back in. And that's what we're talking about this week, setting up an accountability system and using every available product or person to keep us in check, because it's not just limited to getting getting out of bed. Once you're up, it's a whole new battle. You're on your way now, but this is no time to dwell on how far you've come. You're in a fight against an opponent you can't see, but oh, you can feel him on your heels, can't you? Feel him breathing down your neck. You know what that is? That's you. Your fears, your doubts, and insecurities all end up like a firing squad ready to shoot you out of the sky. But don't lose heart. While they're not easily defeated, they are far from invincible. Remember, this is the grind, the battle royale between you and your mind, your body, and the devil on your shoulders telling you that this is just a game. This is just a waste of time. Your opponents are stronger than you. Drown. 
drown out the voice of uncertainty with the sound of your own heartbeat. Burn away your self-doubt with a fire lit beneath you. Remember what we're fighting for and never forget that momentum is a cruel mistress. She can turn on a dime or the smallest mistake. She is ever searching for the weak place in your armor. That one tiny thing you forgot to prepare for. Okay, I know that starts to get a little carried away, but let's take a couple of steps back now and first have a look at accountability. Accountability at its core is about staying focused to meet our expectations. Think of it simply as goal management. It's as simple as a reminder or as complicated as VO2 max testing. Well, that's not that complicated, but you get the idea there. It's tied pretty closely to your season goals and actually setting solid season goals is a great way to start the process. And if you don't have a grasp of this, there are a couple of episodes you can definitely check out. Start with episode 23. But when it comes to placing this goal into a process, in some way we are all accountable to someone or something when it comes to our cycling. Whether that is ourself or our sponsors, there are all different parties that are involved when it comes to our cycling. So this also means there are different types of accountability within these relationships. And so if we really want to try and harness and optimize this power, we can try and do this through a relatively small number of choice relationships. And I've got here a list of four levels of accountability and how you can use them to achieve your goals. I believe that they all apply at some level. Maybe the weighting and how much you are held accountable will be different to each person, but they're definitely in there somewhere. So they go from order of importance and from daily to weekly to every so often to whenever there's a big race. So let's start with level one and you, personal accountability. On a personal level, it's much more about daily habits that will get you towards your goal because the way I like to think about it is that a goal has to change something to do with you on a daily basis in order to be effective. Otherwise, it's just not tangible enough to be considered a goal because a goal has to have a corresponding change in what you do on a daily basis. There are some great ways to keep you focused on forming these habits, such as websites like Habit Forge, Ask Me Every, apps like Lyft or Commit. These apps enable you to ask questions of yourself when it comes to specific areas that you want to focus on to get better at. We all know that you can probably allocate a certain amount of time to your training during the week and during a set day, but there may be small things that you're missing out on in between those. So these actual websites and apps are kind of nudging you or at least letting you set daily habits, specific ones, asking questions or you wanting to remind yourself. I do them for things like drinking water, like I've spoken about in the past, or mobility work, or reminding me what area of the body I'm focusing on at the moment. Or for now, outside of cycling, I do it for daily practice of writing or getting a certain morning or daily routine down. So the personal accountability that you have to yourself, it's going to vary and it will change over time depending on where you are in the season. So you may need help with different areas at different points in the season. Season. And that's where having this checking against yourself, checking against when you're fresh and you set it and you look at the long-term goal and break it down into daily amounts, then asking these questions rather than just relying simply on your mood at the time. 
And I have done a whole episode on habits, so I'm not going to get too deep into it. But it is important to remember that not to be too hard on yourself if you fail at certain things because you can always come back and start over again. The other levels are the ones that we start incorporating other people to keep us in check. But this is all about personal accountability. Level two, though, mentor level, where you start to involve someone else, and that's either a coach Or I believe heavily that the next best option is a mastermind group. It's really the closest personal group that is directly involved with the development of fitness and skills in your cycling. And these are the people or the person that help you develop training programs or give you constructive feedback in regards to what your plans are, how you're traveling, any questions or challenges that you come up with. And coaches have, for me, been my long-time preferred form of accountability. It's really something about outsourcing the responsibility to another single person that makes hitting targets in training much easier for me when I know someone else is writing the program. It's not that I'm not involved in my actual training, but it's just more that I can let go at a certain level and get somebody else to look after the details so I don't have to think about it. But if you are self-coached or you aren't in contact with the person that writes your programs on the regular, then a mastermind group is definitely a great way to stay in check each week. And I do recommend that you make it weekly. For me, I've run an accountability mastermind over the past year or so in one form or another. It is on my mind a lot, and lately I've been thinking about how I can run it better. I've got some guidelines here that I try to stick to, and I will say this. You do get a lot from being the person that is the master behind the mastermind. I'm not going to say boss or anything, just the person that is putting it together. You get to dictate the rules and the terms that it's on, and then you take that responsibility and you most likely get the most out of it. But it's not to say that if you aren't a part of a mastermind in some shape or form that you won't get a benefit from it. The rules that I have and run through when it comes to masterminds I like to have a small group of about four people, including myself. You probably could go up to about max of seven, but I like to keep an hour time frame and you start to really push it when it comes to trying to get everybody's weekly information out one hour and then work on some other things. The other rules that I like to do, generally... Anybody that jumps on has to be willing to openly share with the other members of the mastermind group all of their training, all of their numbers, all of their goals. There is no way that you can hide anything when it comes to getting all this stuff out there. There is definitely a risk that comes along with this, but I think the benefits definitely outweigh the risks. For me, you have to have a strong Skype connection or whatever VoIP connection you are using. I think that's fundamental to maintaining solid contact throughout the call and not just doing the old backwards and forwards Skype dance. Blog posts or other public mentions are strictly prohibited, so you can't mention anything that's said. It kind of goes along with being open. It just comes down to having some integrity with the other people that are in the group. And the two basic rules that I have, no two riders will be in direct competition with each other, meaning that they won't be in the same town or in the same grade and competing directly with each other. And number two, everyone gets structured kick-ass advice to the best of the other participants' abilities. Try and foster that environment where other people feel comfortable giving advice. I find sometimes that there can be overpowering 
elements to certain groups. I'm sure you've found that in the past before. So it's your job as the controller or the leader or the mediator to make sure that you can spread out and get valuable information from everybody, not just the people that are willing to open their mouth first. I actually want to increase the accountability element in the group that I'm in at the moment, and I'm going to try and introduce an overarching goal that each member of the group is aware of and then use that on, say, a six-week rotation and have performance goals broken down and mapped out to include the six steps to get to that goal, one for each week, and then each week is a check-in towards that goal. At the moment, I find the group is good for answering any questions or challenges that pop up, either my own or the other members, but I find that there's no grand accountability. It would be great if everybody could just centrally put their training programs in one spot and so we can always keep an eye on what's going on. But this is something that I've sort of played around with, but at the moment it's a bit of a failure. So it's a work in progress as far as what I'm doing is concerned. But the weekly call itself just simply consists of firstly going around everybody talking about wins, whether they're in training or racing, figuratively or literally just getting out there some positivity for the start of the call and then having a hot seat where it's rotated each week where someone with a challenge or a problem gets to talk about exactly what the problem is and then everybody else gets to contribute answers or solutions to try and move this person forward or to get the person unstuck. And number three is what we want to accomplish by the next week. So just talking about what we want to be held accountable for by the next week. On top of that, I'm battling to think of positive and negative ways to reinforce any lapses of focus. I find there is some pull in doing what I'm saying I'm going to do, but some weeks I do fall off or I don't do them. So I'd like to have some type of reinforcement, whether it is good or bad, but it can get a little bit heavy and I don't know whether it would actually work very well. There is one idea I had, which is a website called Stick. S-T-I-C-K-K dot com where you can create commitment contracts and then put some stake on the line. But I think it's a little too far. So I'm open to any ideas that you have or if you've done something like this successfully in the past, definitely get in contact. But I highly recommend that you consider one for the upcoming season. If you want some tips on how to run one or you don't have one in your local group or you don't have a local group you can jump into, then get in contact with me, Damien at semiprocycling.com, and I'll try and put some groups together or give you some information, whatever you need to get it happening as quickly as possible. Now, level three, we start getting out further and further here. I, I hope you can get a sense of this. Level three is the team level, and this is where you start to incorporate a training partner or group rides or rides with your team, other types of group rides. But team accountability involves transparency of actions and behaviors to other riders who share a common objective. Now, we do know that cycling is an individual sport, and even if you are in a club or regional team, there's going to be different priorities placed on different events, and there's a whole other factors that kind of go into this. Groups and training partners play a really vital role in 
keeping you accountable during rides and getting you to rides. We all know the dangers associated with riding in groups and how training can be sacrificed in some ways, but I think at least one group ride a week definitely has great accountability return of investment than the danger of ruining your training. But as discussed before, the right training partner at the right time is really an invaluable resource that can make your training time fly and it can also help with tough workouts. So if there was a way that you could get somebody to do the same workout as you once or twice a week, if it is your hard workouts of that week, then it's really going to make it easier to hit the numbers because there's something competitive that steps in and you don't want to lose. Where a group ride is a little separate to this and it's probably better for the odd hard hit out practice races or whatever, but the accountability is probably more about you getting out of bed early in the morning and holding a certain pace over a long period of time and not fading off like you may do with a training partner. The final one in level four is fans, your partner, your family, your non-riding friends. Fans are the people who take an interest in your results, but who don't actually ride. So it might be easy to pull the wool over their eyes when it comes to training and how you're doing in training, but at some point during the season, if you let them know what your goals are when it comes to race results, then it's definitely a lot harder to weasel your way out of the result that you got because there's no lying when it comes to the numbers. Letting these people know of your plans is a great way to get support at times when cyclists can't help. They may not understand exactly what's going on, but they can definitely help out in certain ways. At this level, you can ask people like your partner to help you complete certain tasks, or they may just have a sense for when you're getting in a bit of a rut because they know you so well. Definitely this is the case when I get a little bit mopey myself. My wife will give me a firm kick up the ass and tell me to do a workout, which helps me just get the most out of the workout I'm doing, or even even just get me on the bike in the first place if I'm just having a rough week or whatever. So what takeaways can you kind of get from this? Really, the big takeaway I want you to get from this is that quantifying our actions can help us identify our blind spots. Otherwise, it just comes down to you thinking and trying to convince yourself where the hard numbers are the things that don't lie. But I bet we truly believe that we are more disciplined than we are. So even as a test, I would give some of these things a go to see how you're actually going. I really think that it's only through accurate measurement that solo accountability can survive because it's going to diminish over time. You really do need some help at all these different levels so they can give you a nudge at different times, keep you on focus, and manage your goals better. Now, moving along to the tech hacks and products section, I want to talk about a bike this week, one I came across because I'm kind of on the hunt for a folding bike, but not one of those, a folding racing bike. And I came across one called the Falco Tater folding bike and it addresses two really important areas when it comes to choosing a bike style and function i've got a link in the show notes so you can check it out but falco is a fairly new bike brand i think they've only been around one or two years as a company but probably a lot longer as cyclists before that they really have an interesting approach to design and their positioning where they are not hiding behind their chinese factory or their chinese roots they're actually pushing the fact 
that they are made in China, designed in China, and they're not afraid to show the world that they can produce high-quality bikes in China. But back to the bike at hand. It's a sexy titanium beast. And the reason I like it is because it doesn't have those ugly as anything S and S couplers. I don't know if you've seen them, but the ones that go on the top tube and the down tube, they are super uber ugly. So it has a design based on one of the sexiest folding bikes I've ever seen, which is by English Cycles in the US. And and they have a similar design where it links up at the seat stay and the bottom bracket, and you can actually move the whole rear triangle all the way around to the front, and it fits in a box 620 millimeters by 620 millimeters. That is a tiny square space that means you don't have to have extra luggage when you're traveling by bike. Now, this may not be a big deal for people that just take their bike once or twice a year, but even then, it's a couple of hundred bucks to put your bike on a plane, which is absolute pain in the ass. And my lifestyle actually involves a lot of travel, and I want to take my bike with me now. I'm really feeling like I miss it when I get to certain places because I'm trying to have more consistency than I've had in the last couple of years when it comes to my training and I think this is going to be the answer. But anyway, definitely go and check out this bike if you are in the market for a sexy, folding, traveling bike. Now, that quote from the top of the show, the quote is Thomas Thomas Vauclar, and only being in Adelaide for less than a day, broken collarbone and out of the tour down under. Bummer, bummer, bummer. You've got to say that regardless of anything I've said in the past or regardless of what you think about him, he definitely puts on a bit of a show. He likes the fans and... All I can say is speedy recovery. We'll see you later on in the season, Tomar. But that is it for this week. So till next week, get on your bike and enjoy the pain cave or the hurt box, whichever one you're into. (laughs) 